and welcome to the Just Bloody Post It podcast, a show for you if you are promoting your brilliant small business on the internet. I'm Helen Perry, your host, and if I had to rescue one part of my marketing, my business from a burning building, bear with me, it would be my email list. It is my business. It's the source of most of my income. It's where I feel my most dedicated, true followers hang out and where I can be most myself in my written content. I like it here on the podcast too, but I'm being forced to choose and our guest this week would do the same. David Hyatt is the co-founder of Hyatt Denim and The Do Lectures. He's got some home truths about the quality of your content. You do good stuff, you get good metrics do crap stuff you get bad metrics you go the metrics aren't the problem we might not like social media always you know we might not like the internet always but for a small team a small brand you know like a company of one it is literally like it's a gift and we just go go stop moaning about all the things that you don't have and actually start thinking of them as absolutely gifts. Hyatt was founded in Wales in 2011 to make jeans, only that, to return jobs and pride and skilled work to Cardigan, a town that had once made 35,000 pairs of jeans a week. It's an ambitious and heartfelt project and emails help it fly. To share how, David wrote my favourite little business book, Do Open, how a simple email newsletter can transform your business, and it can. So I am bloody thrilled that he was up for chatting with us from his work shared at home in Wales. I think you're going to love it. We talk about marketing with no budget, the challenge businesses will always face with Instagram and why we have to care enough about our customers to write them a decent blinking email. First, though, I asked him how many pairs of jeans Cardigan is making every week now. We're up against a big machine because the old jeans factory was Britain's biggest and it made 35,000 pairs, like you said, for like 40 years. So it was Britain's biggest. And, you know, we're currently making about 200 a week. So um, we kind of make less, you know, jeans than Porsche make cars. We're in a small, high-end, premium denim market. Um, and I'm sort of content with, you know, we're 30 people or so now, and but we've never been closer to 31. And I, I like that thing of just going, hey, do you know what? Let's just uh, enjoy it. And if we grow, it's because we're good. And if we grow too fast, that's quite stressful. So we have to manage growth and you know, if you look at trees, like the fast-growing trees are, you know, like it's not the strongest and best wood, um, but the slow-growth trees have high density and they're solid and, and they're proper, proper trees. And I want to be a proper tree. Build a proper business with deep roots. I like it. Where did the uh, spark of inspiration for higher denim come from? Well, it was a combination of things. We we left London, so we're from Wales originally, and we were working in advertising, like you said. But we had a little side project called Howies, and this thing had in six years never made any money. We'd never worked in it full time, um, and and we decided quite sensibly that this was absolutely our future, and we should sell up everything that we own and move back to Wales and try and make it work. 
And um, it kind of went really well. But we were clueless about running a business. We really had our L plates on for quite a while. In the end, we just thought, oh, it was growing so fast. And I, I was so inexperienced at the time, going, well, it's growing so fast. It's out of control. What I should do is try and grow it even faster. I should have been putting, putting a uh, foot on the brake. I was putting my foot on the bloody accelerator pedal. So I was actually part of the problem. So um, we sort of decided we needed like to go and raise some money and get some, you know, like some people who were, you know, sort of grown-ups in the building. Um, we then put word out that we wanted to get some investors in. And actually, we were super surprised because we had like Japan's richest guy going, oh, I want to invest. Steve Case, who started AOL, you know, wanted to invest 25 to $30 million. PPR, who are now called Karen, um, who own Gucci, Yves Saint Laurent, Puma, and many, many more, had highlighted two brands in the world they wanted to buy. One was Quicksilver and one was Howie's. Why? Why do you think that those, what, what, um, what are they buying that we, they can't create themselves? There was a unique voice. And uh, we had constraints, like we had no money. So we literally just did everything super scrappy. And uh, we enjoyed doing it scrappy. And, and people just, and everybody else was trying to make it perfect. And we were just going, hey, we'll just be scrappy. Um, and there was, and then, you know, some brands just have a time. And they're just right in that little moment in the time. And, you know, we were doing organic T-shirts and people hadn't got used to organic milk. I mean, we were we were quite ahead of um, a lot, um, and so we were we were super interesting at the time. Um, and but anyway, we sold that to Timbaland, um, and I guess we sort of learned that we really valued our imp- independence above all else. Um, so we left, and you know, we left a very lucrative deal. So that brought us to like, what should we do now? What are we good at? And at the same time, like previously, the town had stopped making jeans. And so the skill in the town was insane. And um, and else something happened in, it closed in 2002. And every year after that, the internet became more important. Oh, this thing is really important. Next year, it's going to be more important. And that allowed for those skills, our brand building, and the ability to sell direct to your consumer, all those things came together in a moment in history where you just go, God, man, we were in the right decade at the, you know, with the right skill sets in the right town. And you go, we should absolutely go and start a jeans company. And guess what? Trying to get 400 people the jobs like as crazy as is, it might just be possible. And how... In the startup phase, what had you factored in for marketing? I, I mean, I never really had a marketing budget. People think I'm really good at marketing. And, and I've had, I, I see all these like nice words about me going, hey, he really is one of the best marketeers out there. And I'm going, I've never had a marketing budget. Would you recommend it? <laughs> I kind of like one. Um, <laughs> but the thing I've learned, and we can have two sets of, Heads. One head can say, hey, I don't have a marketing budget and therefore I can't play with the best. Or, hey, actually, not having a marketing budget means I can literally do things that others can't. I can be braver, faster, naughtier, um, you know, 
And those things are really interesting where you suddenly go, well, if your constraint is actually just disguised as a constraint and actually is an opportunity, at that point, it becomes really interesting where you suddenly go, man, like, I have no understanding why we can't be more important than Levi's. I have no understanding. Like, I've never ever read anything i've never been told anything that has convinced me that we as a small little tiny company can't be more influential than them it's possible and and this is what this has allowed us i mean we might not like social media always you know we might not like the internet always william but for a small team a small brand you know, like a company of one it is literally like it's a gift. It's a century defining gift. And we just go, go stop moaning about all the things that you don't have and actually start thinking of them as absolutely gifts. You don't have a budget. You don't have to go and present to the board and tell them this great idea is actually a fucking great idea. And, and you have people who say it's not a great idea and have no understanding of the idea. We're super lucky, and, and therefore we just go, hey, how lucky are we? There's nothing to stop us apart from our ability to have an idea that no one else has had. You know, people say, oh, there's a scarcity of attention these days. Yeah. Do you know what they don't tell you? Is there's a scarcity of great ideas. I was going to say days. there's a scarcity of things worth paying attention to. I think that's, that's you know, so if you, if you can put something out there that's good, that is worth somebody's five minutes, they will give it to you. I have absolutely found that. You do good stuff, you get good metrics. Do crap stuff, you get bad metrics. You go, the metrics aren't the problem. <laughs> it's the content. Yeah. Um, okay, David, how did you discover that the emails was actually going to be, that was going to be the way you were going to sell the jeans? I'd always had deep respect for emails because we built up a, a, a really good community on uh, Howie's. And so it, it wasn't like I didn't know it, but I would got seduced by the, all this social media. And so when we launched Hyatt NM, like we had a like spectacular launch. So we had like, Six months worth of orders in one month. Was that PR? Is that what, what happened? Well, it was just, yeah. uh, I mean, I kind of knew we didn't have, we didn't, we never had a PR agency. I'm, I'm sure they're pretty good and I'm sure they're worth their money. I just haven't got the budget for them. I love them. I would love one if anybody wants to work for free for me. I'm, I'm all up for it. So we didn't have a PR agency, but what I had was the ability to write a press release and said, and I literally said all this. This is the only thing I said. My town is making jeans again. And it's a story, right? It's rebirth. Like we were in every newspaper. Yeah, manufacturing goes away. It doesn't come back. So rebirth. Know your story. Rebirth. Okay. David versus Goliath. My name's David. My mum was a wisdom, beyond wisdom. She knew I was going to go and play with the Goliath. Oh, he needs to be called David. Very important. So just you, joking. so you had, a, you had, a, you had, just joking, sort of. Yeah, you had a, a mega launch, and so you, were you were just like, this is it. We're away. You know, there's a stress, right? There's a two stresses: not enough orders, many orders, both stressful, and they have to be catered for. In my infinite wisdom, I decided that I would close my website while I went and hired um, a bunch more, um, you know, grandmasters. And 
we got all these orders because I was kind of, I was at the time I was head of everything. Um, one of them was head of customer service and, and I, I'm literally, I should not be anywhere near customer service because people just going, I can't believe we've got to wait six months. I'm going, ah, okay, man, I'm happy to give you money back. I don't want my money back. I want my jeans. And I'm going, oh, it was kind of like stressful. And we did that. We closed the website. And then, you know, like three months later, I opened it back up and, and then there was crickets. Like we had all our press had gone, been and gone. All our customers had ordered and still bloody waiting for jeans or, you know, they were at the tail end of that wait list. I was there going, wow, uh, I've just doubled my my overhead and I've literally reduced my sales to like almost nothing. I was looking at my time and I said, wow, do you know what? 80% of my time is spent on social media. I'm literally fallen in love with it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And it was bringing in 20% of my orders. And then this little Cinderella type thing, my newsletter, I was spending 20% of my time on it. And it was bringing 80% of my orders. And in that moment of crisis, I just said, well, what if I spent 80% of my time on the thing that I was bringing 80% of my income? Wouldn't that actually get me out of struggle and actually go and grow my business? And that's what I did. And at that point, I just gone, you know what? Everything we do now has to be about a newsletter. All roads lead to newsletter. Everything that we did, like I would build these incredible lists. And like, you know, I wanted to go, here's 100 makers and mavericks, but join my newsletter. Here's 100 products, do one thing well, join my newsletter. Every time I like did anything, just join my newsletter. Because I wanted to, I knew that was the most important thing for us. It wasn't the coolest thing. It wasn't cool back then. I don't think it's cool back now. There was a time in the first year of email where people should go, I just got an email. And, <laughs> and now people don't say that. <laughs> um, what is a newsletter? For me, it's a conversation. Like, I mean, there's an awful lot of newsletters out there which aren't very good. And people don't really respect them. They don't like, um, they just knock it out. Go, no, we just got to do this. And, and uh, this is my contention. And I love Instagram and all these things. But the, um, the amount of tension that companies have given them is far greater than the sales they bring in because they haven't done the maths. If Instagram was bringing in 80% of my income, it would have 80% of my attention. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not like dumb. I'm just going, but this thing, if I respect this thing, and I work hard at this thing, then this thing will help grow my business. And your opportunity is the fact that everyone thinks um, it's not cool. And, and and everyone starts a newsletter. And you know most people stop it after about three months. Oh, it didn't work for us. Going to the gym in January doesn't work for you because there's like another 11 months. And then that is oddly why we can win because you suddenly go, well, if everybody was so devoted to it, if everyone was really knocking it out of the park, like um, we would suddenly only be as good as them. Whereas now we are like 80% of people like don't have respect for it. So we can literally win by just going, well, we're going to be super respectful. Of it. Because when you send out a newsletter to another human being, they're busy. And if you respect their busy with excellence, 
then good job to you. You deserve to actually succeed. You deserve to build a community. You deserve to build a business. What does it take to create an excellent newsletter then? What does that look like when you're spending a lot of time on it? What, what are the ingredients? How do you do it? There's a number of ways. You can talk about your thing to your crowd and just only talk about that one thing. So got a lot of respect for Rafa, you know, bike clothing company. And, you know, Simon came down to visit myself and Claire before we started Rafa, before he even had a name. And we gave him a list of all our factories and tried to help him. And so I got super big respect for Rafa, right? So when they send out a newsletter, they're only going to talk about cycling. It's a very successful way of doing it. But for me, I'm much more interested in, in an eclectic approach. And I'm, I'm interested in the 360-degree human being in front of us. So, yes, they are passionate about the world's best genes. We make those, super proud of them. But they're probably into running or they're probably into tech. They're, they're probably into food. They're probably into, like, you know, great beer. And I'm into all those things. So I'm like, and I actually want to build a brand that is 360 and not just a super narrow slice of you. Because we're not all just one thing. We're many things. And so for me, the most interesting newsletters are quite eclectic. But the other way works too, do you mean? I know the people that I work with do struggle with what knowing what is interesting to another person. I think if you're a writer and you've done writing and you've done that kind of work before, it comes more easily. Do you have any advice for someone who is running a business, they know all this stuff, they are a 360 person, but they're struggling to know what to put into an email? I tell you what we do. Um, Wednesday at 10 o'clock, we have a creative breakfast and everyone can find great stuff, right? So it isn't just the department of newsletter department over there that's like that's not a very eclectic approach so we get everybody in from people in accounts to like whoever we just go hey what's the one thing you've seen this week that's really stood out to you and the other important thing is why did it stand out to you what i'm trying to do is getting them to train to go for them to understand why it stood out it's one thing to find goals but like it's another thing to go actually what led you to that gold? Because then it can lead you to other bits of gold. And then so we find all the super interesting things. Like everybody can find one thing. And then people go, oh, it's really hard. I'm going, man, like my, my problem is like I can find more than one thing. You do. You absolutely train yourself to have your radar constantly switched on in the background for the good stuff. Like most people don't have a system. If I go to my garage, right? There's lots of gold in there, but do you think I can find it? You've never seen anything like it. I haven't opened the door for five years because I just know it's crazy. There's one or two things in there I really want to find. And I think most people have a system like that. They have a garage door system where they see all these things, but they don't have a system to recall them when they need them. And so actually doing a newsletter is pretty hard. I'm all about like, what does easy look like? Easy looks like we have one meeting. Everybody has to find it. They all have to tag it, two tags in Evernote, so everybody can find it. It's all dated. So building newsletters is super easy for us. And does it still form the backbone of how you're talking to your people? Is that still the main way that you're talking to your people? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, 
you know, I was in a meeting this week and Instagram is important for brand building. So, you know, let's be really, like, it really is very good at that. It builds magic. It's really good at building magic. And the interesting thing was we were just on a review of the year and go, God, in October, something happened, right? Some algorithm changed. And our attention from our customers went down 55%. But it was on both companies, on the do and hire. So it wasn't just us. It was like, wow, that's weird. And when you're in the hands of the algorithm, that's a very difficult way to run a business because you want to be in control of your future, not like some algorithm that might just suddenly go, hey, you're not, you're not it anymore. You go, oh, I was it last week, and, and I've, I've hired all these people because we were it. That makes it quite an uncomfortable, you know, we like to, I mean, as entrepreneurs, we are control freaks. And suddenly, when you see it literally go on a graph, we go, God, 55% down across the board. Wow, that's, that's a big thing. And so you go, yes, newsletter is really important to us. And we put a lot of effort into it. We put a lot of time into it. We do, we do work hard, hard at it. And it can be from the photography is important to the writing, to the style, to the wit. I mean, you know, there's a thing, isn't it? That, you know, the only thing that matters is everything. And you go, ah, oh, slightly annoying phrase, Dave. But it's a slightly annoying truth. So you've got to be consistent. You've got to be consistent with your time. You've got to be consistent with your effort. You've got to be consistent with your voice. You've got to be consistent with your care. If anyone thinks that um, newsletters are, are the easy path, they're like anything. It's just, you, you have to do the work. I know that you're a, a geek, obsessive, very interested in brand, the idea of brand itself and brands. What, what I mean, what is a brand and can an individual or a tiny company really hope to establish one? I mean, the best brands in the world want to change something. They, they feel very um, passionate about um, their thing. So, you know, like that thing of you know, when you're deeply passionate about something, you become a leader because you, you know more than others. I mean, so kind of like a small, um, you know, one or two person company literally build a brand well you've got to think about all the brands that you probably like and love is they all started mostly in a garage like apples started in a garage just two of them two geeks i mean the audacity of starting a brand is that you want other people to care about what you care about and and you're and you're going to put a logo on it and and it's fine but when you connect to another human being where they go, oh, I, I care about this thing too, that's a brand. I mean, it doesn't, the logo is just like a a nice little thing. You know, it's in Nike's case, 25 bucks well spent. The interesting thing is for like, yes, you can. I mean, and it's okay to be mean a lot to 150 people. That's a brand. I mean, you can be a brand and mean a lot to 10 people. I'm geeky on brands because they're kind of like they have soul. The best ones have a soul. And the reason I love founders is like kind of like they're difficult, awkward people who just won't give in. And, and, and almost always the brands that you truly love have gone through some phase of like difficulty. And it's the founders who had the grit to keep going. I want to talk to you a little bit about that founder's voice and how to get that out of you and 
into another person's mind or heart or whatever it is. How uh, have you always been comfortable with writing? If you ask my you know, two daughters, like who will they show an essay to? Like me or my wife Claire? They've never shown me an essay because they just go, Dad can't spell. He's got terrible grammar. Um, he can't write. My, you know, Claire's the best writer in the house, without doubt. I mean, my ability to write is very like six words or ten words. Or, but I, what I do have the ability is to put things which are slightly complicated into simple terms. That that is something I can do. And in terms of voice, is the thing that I've seen is a lot of really interesting people um, get in front of a keyboard and become uninteresting. And I think, God, that's such a shame. What's the barrier? I think they become this to whom it may concern person. Yeah. And you go, fucking hell. When do you become that person, man? Like, you, you write so dull. Um, and they're frightened to, like, release the handbrake on them. And I've got, like, some simple tricks going like, hey, do you like running? Like, they're going, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm going to go for a run for 40 minutes or 50 minutes, then go and write your thing. Because exercise is a really good way to stop you overthinking um you know go and have a cold shower where you suddenly come out of it and you go oh man yeah um you're super fresh i i think the big mistake most people do is they write tired not wired and they leave it so that you know the writing becomes the chore and you go i just gotta knock this out you go don't knock it out go and do it special like i mean because in a way, it's just a transfer of energy. So what do you want the energy to be? Tired? Or, wow, this is very, very cool. You've got to treat the keyboard with respect. I'll never run, but I, but I do hope. You don't have to run. You but mean, I, do do yoga, I do hope. Yeah, yeah, Pilates, I do hope. I, mean. I wanted to ask you about the do lectures, because we've, we've spoken loads about the genes, because that's the, that's the story I know about how you... Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you know, fully harness the power of emails. Uh, so what's do all about? Well, let me tell you how it came about because it kind of, it's a bit odd. You know, we were pretty, had close ties with Patagonia because we were at one point maybe even thinking about selling to Patagonia because we really liked them and we'd, you know, sort of help those in lots of ways. And, you know, the thing I, I wrote about the journey of a carrot actually became the Footprint Chronicles. Um, and so they'd invited me to their boot camp, which is every two years. And I said, oh, I can't go. I mean, I was up to my ears in Howie stuff. And I just said, oh, man, I, it wasn't the right time. And I said, well, I'll kind of watch them online. And they went, oh, we don't really record them. I went, hmm, oh, really? That's a shame. It's like, you know, so 80 people get to know the knowledge, but, you know, a million don't. And I'm going to, that would maybe be an opportunity. So we started a thing called a little big voice lectures and it was really an experiment to just go man like we were teaching people how to use twitter because they just come out we were building people the website there and then on our day it was a very geeky sort of cohort and um it was really interesting and and at the end of it we said look should we do this again and and everyone you've got to do this again. This is insane. And I really enjoyed it. And Claire really enjoyed it. And then a friend, at, uh, when we was at the dinner table, sent us um, a text and he said, um, you know, don't just stand there, do something, dick dastardly. And I'm going, ah. Oh. 
and then we got to talking about like you know the, we kind of learn from people who do things and wouldn't it be good to have a, a conference that's all about the doers of the world so there was never a business plan there was no expectation ever to do more than one we thought we'll do one it's pretty cool you know our main business was how is it at the time there was something amazing about a gathering of a hundred people who were really trying to help each other. You get a lot of nutrition from trying to help people. So it kind of like, well, well okay, we'll do another one because that was amazing. But as soon as it's not amazing, we're going to dump it like a ton of bricks. And it's kept on being amazing. And, and don't get me wrong, the first five years trying to sell tickets was like the hardest thing. Like we had no reputation, we had no website, nobody's ever been there, but we kept going. And and sometimes the biggest gift of all that you can give to your ideas is you just keep going. Just keep going. JKG, it yeah. really is like 90% of the thing, I think, often. And you, when did you start publishing the books, the do books? There's a backstory to that as well. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I mean, we, I left Howie's, you know, and I had a year where I wasn't allowed to do anything that I knew anything about, which was, you know, very broad spectrum. Um, and um, so I thought, oh, I'll go and start a book company. And I'll do the, the do book company because at the time the iPad was going to change the book industry. It didn't quite deliver on that, but it was definitely some interesting things happening. And so I, I hired somebody from Howie's and persuaded him that we're going to change the book industry. It'd be quite fun. And we spent a year like doing all this stuff. And then we just turned around about after about a year and just went, we don't know anything about books, do we? And when, <laughs> no. We, we had, you, had, you got any, had you published anything into the world? No, we literally yeah. done all these like fancy spreadsheets and, you know, this is what we're going to do. We had more plans and I don't know. And then on the Monday or the Tuesday, um, you know, a lady called up and said, hey, um, have you ever thought about doing the Do Book Company? I'm going, I said, yeah, I have thought about it, actually. I've kind of um, thought about it quite a lot in the last year. Um, she said, well, uh, you know, I've just left this big publisher and I'm interested in, like, starting a publishing company. I'm going, I'll send you the PDF. And she said, oh, yeah, that looks pretty cool. I'm going, well, okay. Um, and we just said, look, you go and do it. You know, you pay us a little royalty. Um, every Everybody wins, you know, the in the only caveat we said, you know, you know, if a book is to be published, it has to be, you know, someone who's spoken to do. And that's worked really well. And Miranda is amazing and, you know, got full respect for her. And, and it's been a joy. How many do books are there now? I think there must be 30 plus. Yeah. Um, Which ones are your favourites? Are you allowed to have favourites? Obviously mine is... Well, Do-Open. obviously mine. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a tremendous book. <laughs> Like I'll go and see my book on somebody else's book, and I'll literally go in the thing, just go. And now this is uh, competitive with other speakers that do. I'm like, yeah, hey, I was in the airport. I saw your book. I put my book over your book. <laughs> just kidding. I tell you, um, uh, Andrew Painter's book on do photo is a really beautiful book. Actually, do photo. Okay, yeah, That's a, yeah. it's really beautiful. I mean, it really gets you to think about photographs and yeah, photographs are really important. So. Uh, actually, that was my first, that's the first place I started to educate myself around social media marketing. Actually, I did a photography course. It really, yeah. like, it really pays to just 
go and learn some of the things that the experts know. Even if you're not going to be an expert, it really, like, just take the time. There are ways to take a photo that will be better than other ways, and you can just learn them. We don't have to know many things, but there are certain things that we need to know. Do you mean you go... You will save yourself a lot of pain. We talked a little bit about ambition at the beginning of the conversation. Do you operate with big ambitions for five years for the companies? What 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 would you like to happen? Do you have a new a new business idea in your mind for the future? What what's next? Remember, I'm a big Radiohead fan, and and Colin came down you know to the do and spoke about how Radiohead work and. They said something early on in an interview which always stayed with me, and that is, we don't want to be the biggest band in the world. We want to be the most influential. And the thing I say to the team is going, I want us to be the most influential brand that we possibly can be, because I know at that point, if we are that, then everything else we want will come. So how do you seek to be influential? Taking microplastic out of, out of jeans doing a conference from a cow shed that gives 99% of everything we make away for free. And we still get criticized. But that, and it's okay. I mean, it's like, that's the world we live in. So you go, God, like you can have, you can have a small, tiny footprint. You can be a company of one and have huge influence in this world through ideas, through innovation, through being brave. And I know other people just want to scale through numbers. And I'm going, I want to scale to, I look at Patagonia and I go, wow. I interviewed Vincent, who started as an intern there 48 years ago. And um, it's now head of philosophy there. And I look at Patagonia and go, that's a very influential brand for me. And I want our companies to have influence by the way we work, by the way we treat people. The interesting thing for us is like, we can't talk about the things that we do to help people in our team because it's private and it should be respected i care most about what the closest people to me say about me and because people can judge you from far going oh he's got a stick of hair he's kind of like drinks too much coffee well whatever but the, the i really do care about what the team think it's not all like hippy dippy stuff it's like to do your best work it's, it's tough i mean You've got to push yourself. and But if you can create a space where you know, failure is fine. Do you know I mean like not trying is not fine? Marvellous. Thank you so much for your My time. Pleasure. I really yeah, appreciate it. I hope it. it helps some people out there. And hey. So much good stuff in that conversation. I hope you think so too. I'll take away that we should embrace the small scrappiness of our little businesses. They can be more personal and as influential as any big outfit. Don't go changing and trying to seem bigger than you are. If you love this too, share it on social. If you want more, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, you can get my emails by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon. Goodbye.